State Representative Gloria Johnson with Standing Tall Podcast, one of the Tennessee Hollers podcast series. You can find them at TennesseeHoller.com or on social media at the TN Holler. Thanks for joining us. It's been a while. Uh, we've been a little bit busy, and one of the things we've been busy with is what we're going to talk about today. I'm here today with Haley Shasted. And she was my campaign manager for the 2020 cycle. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about that. She was fresh out of college and joined the campaign as soon as a little before she graduated, actually, part-time. And then when she graduated, she came on full-time. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. So how are you, Haley? Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for um, asking me to speak with you. I'm doing great. Um, I'm excited to talk about uh, the selection and all the things that it entailed. Well, cool. So one thing is uh, the reason that I, I asked Haley to run the 2020 campaign is because my former campaign manager, Sarah Berklin, had taken a job in the mayor's office and was not managing campaigns. And, and Sarah knows what uh, I think is important and, and what I like to have in a campaign manager. And she, Haley had been a volunteer on American Cannon's campaign. And so Sarah was very, very familiar with her work ethic and, and all of that. And so that's why Sarah suggested that um, I talk to Haley about managing the campaign and the rest is history. And, and Sarah was right. It re went really well. Um, you know, sometimes in a, in a really tough campaign and you get somebody new, but, but I think that Sarah knows what I always look for is somebody who, who is, um, eager for more knowledge and to learn more about campaigning and how that works. And somebody who, um, is willing to ask questions a lot and seek information and knows who to go to for that information. So Haley, just tell us, um, what it was like for you to to manage your first campaign and what were you nervous about what did you like about it that sort of thing yeah so um it was a great experience overall um it was i was very nervous going into it um because you know i just graduated um and i had dealt with a lot of you know what if i what if i don't know enough but i quickly learned that whatever i didn't know people were really eager to teach me and that was so helpful. Um, there were so many people that answered all my questions at all hours and that was great. Um, and so I was nervous, especially because I feel like a campaign manager is like, you're your boss's boss sometimes. And that's, that's tricky. But I really loved just like um, getting to learn this community of, of organizers that exist in Knoxville that are so helpful. Um, and then working with um, constantly, you know, volunteers. We're all in this for the for the same thing, and it's just a really rewarding experience. I'm really lucky that it it got to be my job. Um, 
of just people, you know, supporting each other and doing what needed to be done to work towards this common cause. Um, and so it was just so rewarding to just meet all these great people, um, whether they were organizers or volunteers that, you know, really um, wanted to help and were ready to work 24 seven to do whatever needed to be done to, you know, reach more voters and um, get the word out. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, I think that is one of the great things about it is just everybody working together for this common cause. And one of the things for me, I think is, um, you know, when I think about hiring a campaign manager, I want it to be somebody who believes in the things that the campaign believes in and the message that we're about. And um, a lot of times people are happy with someone who, you know, is just a campaign manager. So they're going to, to get the word out there. But I really want the people that work on my campaign to care passionately about the same issues. So as far as our campaign, were there any issues you disagreed with or were you on board with all the message or how did that work out? Yeah, so um, I was on board with everything. There wasn't anything I disagreed with. And I think that that was really helpful. I think there is absolutely no way to work for a candidate that you, um, you know, that you have major disagreements with. And um, so that was, that was definitely a plus. I found that, um, you know, in choosing like which kind of presidential campaign to work with because I did some volunteering with Warren like if there's if there's anything you disagree with it's really hard um, to um, to work you know towards a candidate's win so um, I got really lucky I mean with Warren there there were no large disagreements so that was good um, but yeah I got really lucky that you know there was nothing and um, so I could really put my whole heart into you know into it without having any questions about if I was doing the right thing or not. Yeah. And I, I understand that completely. And it's not that I have to, like when I'm voting, I don't have to agree with the candidate a hundred percent. But for me, just because of the way I approach things, I feel like, you know, that everybody's heart really needs to be working towards that, that main goal and understanding how important these issues are to all the people in House District 13 and how it affects them. And, and also to have an, a, a view statewide because um, as a state representative, though the focus is House District 13, it does affect folks all across the state. So it's important to know that the things that we're working toward benefit everyone in the state as well. So um, I just want, I want my team to be all working for that same goal. And um, that's, it's, I know it's not important to every candidate to work that way, but that's very important to me. And that's why I thought that you would be a good fit, Haley, for this campaign um, in talking to you and also in talking to Sarah about, you know, where we felt the same on the issues and all of that. And that little bit of work that, um, on the Warren campaign, most of the time I was in Nashville when you guys were here working at the house, but, but I knew that you all were here dedicated and, and working hard for um, Senator Warren. So that was great. Uh, how did that feel when that campaign ended, the Warren campaign? Um, it was, it was, it hurt. It was felt like there was definitely a mourning period. Um, but it really kind of um, 
kind of push me to, you know, work that much harder. And um, it just kind of drove me, you know, to think, okay, well, we have to get someone close to her elected. We can't just accept defeat in this moment. That's not what this is about at all. So it really pushed me forward to keep organizing and, you know, keep pushing for whichever the next candidate was that I would support. So. Yeah, I think, um, you know, especially in East Tennessee, none of us can expect to to win our campaigns all the time. I've I've uh, one can I'm now one more than I've lost, I believe. So for House District 13. But um, it's, you know, I have had losses. And so I do understand that. And, you know, it's hard. But the thing to remember is, is that that you keep fighting, always keep fighting. So when I lost elections, I still you know, went to work to um, help expand Medicaid and, and continued organizing on the issues I cared about. And, and I think that it's just critical that we stay in. And we had a lot of candidates run this time that didn't quite make it, but they did great jobs and ran great campaigns. And my hope is that they will all also keep organizing for the things that they care about. Um, because we are see, seeing some changes. Um, I, I had hoped in this election that we would have less of, uh, of uh, vote numbers for President Trump, but that's not exactly what we saw. But what we did see were a ton of people come out to vote on both sides of the aisle. I think that um, Democratic turnout was uh, probably uh, some of the best we've ever seen. And that that's great. It's good to know that our work paid off, our reaching out to voters, asking them to vote, asking, the, asking them to stand up for the things that we care about. So tell me a little bit about that. Uh, Haley, what was it like, you know, talking to voters, reaching out to voters and, and trying to get them to get out there and vote? Yeah, I will say it's the most rewarding experience ever when you're like a few days before election day doing get out the vote calls and people have questions and you can, you know, help them and they say, oh, thank you so much. Like they didn't know their polling place or they thought they couldn't vote without their voter registration card and they weren't going to vote. And then you can answer a simple question and they are comfortable getting out there and voting. That's really rewarding. Um, but that was definitely the most rewarding experience. It was super rewarding to have days um, when we were doing our persuasion calls and having tons of people saying, oh yeah, I'm so excited to vote for Gloria. Um, and it's just, and then even when you get, um, you know, talking to people that, that say they're not going to vote, that was so disappointing. But then you say, okay, like, do you mind if I ask, you know, what makes you feel that way this year? And then having those conversations, it's just, um, it's a great experience to just talk to people about what they care about and let them know that there are people on the ballot that, um, you know, care about making sure they're represented and um, answering questions for them. And then the big thing is like um, being able to give people your phone number and say, you know, you can give her a call and talk to her about this when they're super passionate about something um, was awesome because people feel so seen. Um, and a big issue with voter turnout is that people just often they don't feel seen and so they don't see a point in voting. So having um, someone on the ballot that can, will reach out to them and say, well, what do you want to talk about? How can I help you? Um, is just great. So that was awesome. 
Okay. Well, that's one thing that I found is I always give my phone number out and people like, you know, oh, aren't you afraid somebody's going to abuse it? But I have been giving my phone number out for years and I have found that people only call when they have a serious question or they want to thank you for something. But I've never had anyone abuse that uh, at all as far as, you know, calling constantly or, you know, uh, just taking up a lot of t people are really great. And, and I do want people to know anytime that, that they can give me a call and ask a question. Um, I, I think about so much before I w became so politically active, which was the big part, bigger part of my life. You know, I didn't know that, that I could call my state representative to get help with my unemployment. I didn't know, um, you know, that I had pro if I had 10 care and had problems with that, you could call your state representative. And so I, I think that this year, especially during the pandemic, it's been so critical for people to get information. Um, you know, I want to do all I can to get people the information that they need so that they can stay healthy and um, so that they can support their families and they get their unemployment like they're supposed to. So um, just letting people know that you're there, I think is really, really important. And it doesn't matter. I've never once asked somebody when it came to an unemployment issue, what side of the aisle they were on. Um, I, I have no idea how many Republicans or Democrats I've helped. I mean, I know how many people I've helped, but I don't know what party they are, or if they voted for me or anything like that. And, and that's the one thing that's so important to remember is that when you are elected, you are elected to serve all of the people. And, um, and, and that's critical that even if they didn't vote for you, they're still your constituents. So you still need to do that. Um, well, Haley, tell me this. Uh, one of the things that is always interesting is what were some surprises on the campaign? Maybe some things that you did that you were, um, didn't expect to be doing or some things that you did that you were surprised were part of the campaign? Okay, so definitely um, just keeping up with what people were saying out, out in the field, but mainly, um, I guess, people on the other side, keeping up with what kind of things were being spouted off. Um, that, that was definitely something I I guess I ex I knew that it happened, but didn't really expect. And I saw some saw some crazy things, so that was definitely very interesting to me. Well, that might lead us to the idea of some of the negative mail and the negative uh, message that came at us during the campaign. Was that something you expected, or was that something new to you? That was very new to me. I've seen. Um, you know, Senate and um, presidential ads on TV that are kind of negative towards um, opposition. But I definitely didn't expect to see um, what we saw in this race. The, the witch hat was the most unexpected for me, um, the photoshopped witch hat. So, yeah, that I never expected it to be the way it was, but it was very kept us on our toes to see what was going to come out next. Yeah, I guess that's one thing, you know, before I was politically active, uh, active I didn't really um, 
I didn't really see anything like that either, other than maybe national. And I don't know how much of I saw nationally. And maybe when I wasn't politically active, maybe I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. But I know that locally, I had never seen negative attacks like that. Um, and we've seen them in most, uh, not my first race, but every race after that. And so it's really uh, an interesting thing to see and watch. And when you pick up uh, one of those mail pieces and they're talking about you and they're talking about you in a way that you've nobody who knows you has ever talked about you like that. And they're calling you a witch or they're saying that uh, you, um, that you are a criminal or that you support, you support criminals and have you covered in blood spatter. Um, you know, as the daughter of a law enforcement officer and someone who her friends used to call her, you know, always that I was always by the books. And that's, that's kind of how I, I play that um, in, in, in uh, certainly in my career. And, I, and, and it's really just outrageous to see them say things like that about me when they literally clearly know nothing about me. And so to see that, I'm sure, um, for the first time, as Haley did, such negative talk about something that we felt was a really positive campaign is pretty shocking. And um, I'd love to see that go by the wayside, actually. I think we should be out there talking about the things that we care about and the things that we plan to do. And um, I hope that the people will turn away from negative campaigning like that. And maybe, maybe that will happen. We'll see. Um, things at the federal level certainly got incredibly negative. And um, I certainly would like to see a turn back to something, to something better. But, um, well, Haley, tell us what, now that the campaign is over, we did a little debrief today. We talked about the things that work and all of that. Um, but what are you thinking you are thinking or planning going forward? I definitely just want to um, become a great organizer. I learned so much on this campaign um, more than I even knew that I could learn at one time. Um, and it was amazing. And so I know that I have so much more to learn. And so I would like to learn, uh, to work, you know, maybe a couple different types um, of races and um, just get into some different community groups and really just learn all the different angles of organizing so that I can be the most effective um, in the future. Because I know that we have a lot of work to do and I want to be ready to do that work the most efficient way possible. Okay, so you think you're going to continue in, in this kind of work at least for a while? Yeah, definitely so. Okay, I know it's really, you know, it's not your typical nine to five job. And um, it's, it can be, it can be long hours, it can be late hours, it can be crazy things happening at late hours. So everybody doesn't particularly love this work, or they do it for a time until they want something a little more stable. So um, you think you're going to do it for a while, for a while, huh? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think um, it is definitely an intense job, 
but there is just, um, you know, so much to say for being able to have a job where you, you know, you love what you're working for. You're working for people. You're not working for a large corporation. Um, you know, my, my switch to, I was going to be an accountant um, and I realized I did not want to just be, you know, working on behalf of corporations. And so I feel absolutely lucky that I got into this kind of field um, that I'm in now. And it's just, I would work 24 hours a day if it meant that I got to, um, when I finally rest, know that I am working for something that I believe in, that something that doesn't leave anybody, you know, um, coming up short. And I just think it's worth everything. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. You know, um, I've never, I've never had a job that I thought was really work. I mean, I loved teaching so much. Um, it, yes, it was a job, but when you love what you do, it, it just, it makes life so much better. And so I went from teaching to organizing around healthcare and, you know, running for office and um I, I i've loved every minute of all of it actually and so some someone one time i think it was lisa smith asked me did i like teaching more or uh serving in office more and it, it was a really tough question because it's they're so different but i loved them both and it was uh a very hard question to to answer, but I know my, the long part of my career was teaching 27 years. And so that was just vastly rewarding. And the fact that, that, you know, I have students who are now 40 years old come over and, you know, are working on my house, building my deck and, and still having relationships or uh, I had one call me that was from about that same time ago when I was at South Doyle High School you know, 20 plus years ago called to say, Hey, can we get lunch? You know? So, um, it's just that they've both been so much fun that it's hardly like working at all. And, um, I, I would wish that everybody would have, uh, the kind of work throughout their life that they loved to do so that it, it doesn't feel like work, but, um, that's how I feel now about fighting, fighting for issues that, that, that we care about and for folks who so desperately need healthcare and making sure our kids have a great education, all of those things. Um, we can talk a little bit, Haley, one thing that was interesting this election, I think more than ever, the, the federal, our federal politics had an effect on um, our, our local politics as well, as far as partisan digging in and that kind of thing. So what was your experience there, Haley? Um, how often did you see the federal politics or partisan rivalry playing into our local race? Yeah, I uh, very often, to be honest, people were very kind of nervous to um, to share like they're usually people say oh yeah I'm gonna vote for this person easily or things like that people were very nervous to you know answer that question because I think things are so polarized and they were um, very nervous to like for people that 
would usually take like a yard sign would be like, I just, I don't feel like we should do that this year because things are so polarized. And, you know, there, there was a large issue on the national level and some on the local with people having their, their signs vandalized or stolen, like a very large issue in Knoxville. Um, and so that definitely trickled down into um, our race. I think in some ways it was very helpful. It empowered our voters to get out and vote um, because they, they were just ready to do everything that they knew how to make change after the, the past four years that we've had. Um, so there was some, some very good parts of it, but definitely people were more apprehensive to discuss. Um, and so it did, it did trickle down often. But um, I think that it really pushed people that were, um, you know, getting out to vote to get their friends out to vote and things like that um, in local elections, because people have really, I think, picked up on the way that local elections affect them in these last four years um, as well. And so that was a big plus. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you're right. It, it did come down into... I have seen a lot more interest in local politics and I've seen more people than I've ever seen before paying attention to the state and local issues. Um, I try to keep people uh, abreast of what's happening in Nashville on my social media, Facebook, Twitter, and um, people are constantly thanking me for keeping them up to date on what's happening. And uh, that's kind of, that's a lot newer um, for me. To, to hear that so often. And so just trying to keep people up because people are paying attention. I think they're seeing how much politics, um, our politics does affect our daily lives, especially those who don't have health care or those who are concerned about their child's school. So um, more people paying attention, I think is going to be great to holding elected officials accountable. You know, I want my supporters and those who um, were not my supporters to hold me accountable for, for what I'm doing in office. And I have a lot of people that will say, you know, well, I, I don't get, you know, you, I don't get an update from you. And so what people don't understand is that when we switch from one representative to another, those email lists aren't shared. And so people have to sign up to get my newsletter. So you can go to the Tennessee General Assembly website and go to the contact portion and there's a box where you can put in your email and you will automatically get my newsletter, which is typically monthly when we're not in session, but when we're in session, I try to do it weekly. So people will be aware of what bills are coming up especially some that might be really important to a whole lot of people. So I'll, I try to get out a weekly newsletter, letting folks know what bills are coming up in committee or on the house floor at that time. And um, a the Tennessee general assembly website is really great at um, keeping up with those bills. You can track bills that you care about on the website and um, they'll notify you when those bills are moving. So it's pretty neat to do for those of you who are interested in that. That's, a, that's one way to keep up. But you can also get um, like our House Democratic Caucus letter. Uh, you, can, you can get that as well or, or my newsletter. But those things are gonna be important to, 
to um, to pay attention to. It'll be interesting to see what happens because of coronavirus. We're coming into a really tough time where cases are spreading. We're supposed to start session the second Tuesday in January. Um, not sure uh, if how that's going to work. I've heard the speaker has mentioned maybe taking a, a gaveling in and taking a recess because we are required by the Constitution to gavel in. But um, I guess we should probably hit a little bit, Haley, on what's happening with um, the national election. People voted in the largest numbers ever. I think at this point, we've got uh, President-elect Biden with 80 million votes now. And um, so I think he's well over 6 million votes ahead of Trump as well as having 306 electoral votes. So President-elect Biden has won both the um, Electoral College and the popular vote overwhelmingly. It is time for um, us to recognize President-elect Biden. I think that um, by trying to discount uh, are black voters and young voters and new American voters is not <laughs> practicing our democracy. It's not uh, maintaining our democratic uh, norms and, and processes. And it's time for us to all recognize that this was, as Trump's own people said, the, um, most secure election that we've had in some time. And the reality is that they have debunked the, the Dominion voting machine myths. They've debunked the um, voter fraud issues. I think what out of 34 cases, they've all been tossed at this point, uh, maybe two that they've not completely thrown out. But uh, I think it's time to recognize, and as long as Republicans, in DC pretend as if there's uh, not a winner in this election. It puts our election security in the future at risk. It, it, it challenges our democratic norms and they're doing a disservice to this country as long as they continue this charade. And it's right now, it's time for us to recognize President-elect Biden and let this transition move forward in a way that will allow us to keep um, the folks in this country safe and secure. We have got to get busy containing this virus. And in order to do that, we need, the, we need to follow the norms of our presidential transitions that we have done from between all the other presidents. And, and we've got to make sure that we're doing everything we can to contain the virus and make sure that this vaccine gets out there because currently we have a president who is more concerned about um, continuing to the charade of some sort of voter issue instead of making that transition and we have really just we've got to do that that's my little uh sermon for the day it's <laughs> something that i feel passionately about and, and it's just it's, it's setting the country back and keeping folks in harm's way when we don't go ahead and make that transition. And so 
um, one of the things that I don't know, Haley, if you ever experienced before, but you know, when you lose an election, you call your opponent who won the election and congratulate them, concede however you say it. So um, was that something that you thought about, Haley? Because uh, you were here when, when I got a call from my opponent. But is that something you'd ever uh, seen before or was something you were aware of or was that like something you so it was not really something that I was familiar with at all. I had heard, you know, in listening to like things about like Gore's election, about the, the concession call and all of that. But beyond that, I hadn't really thought about it. And I, I remember saying, is that really a thing that happens? And, you know, you told me, yeah, that definitely is something that always happens. Um, and so it was very interesting to be here for that. And I think that that is really important, um, you know, in just, just being a good sport. And, you know, because when you, if you, even if you don't win an election, when you really care about what you're fighting for, you keep fighting for it, even if you're not in office, just like you said, and like you did in the past. And so um, I think that 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 call is really kind of um, a tribute to the fact that you're ready to keep working towards the causes that you campaigned on. Yeah. It's, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten the call and I've made the call and it is an incredibly difficult call to make. So you've been working a year or even longer sometimes on a race and you put all your heart and soul into it and everybody has worked so hard and you know you didn't quite make the cut and so and the and the night that you find that out you you typically you have to make that call and it's so hard but it's the right thing to do you know and um i remember uh the first time it was like oh i've got to make this call you know this is it's really really hard but it's the right thing to do you know, the other person worked hard on their race as well. And th those things need to be acknowledged. And hopefully the person is gracious when you call them. And, uh, and I certainly not experienced um, a time when somebody wasn't gracious when they called or when, when I called them and, and their response. But um, one, there was one election where my elections were closed. The two elections that I lost in House District 13 were lost by less than 200 votes. And so the second one was even less. It was 150, I think. And there were uh, quite a few provisional ballots. And so for me, I wanted to count all the ballots. And so I waited until the provisional ballots were counted to concede um, I pretty much knew there probably weren't enough provisional ballots, but I felt those ballots need to be counted first. And then I made my call after that. So I, I totally understood when President Trump wanted the votes to be counted. I get that, you know, and I think we should count every vote. And there's nothing strange about absentee votes in other states coming in um, later because that's the way they've always done it. Um, so, so it just means you have to wait longer, but of course we're talking about millions and millions of votes, not, not tens of thousands. So 
it's kind of interesting how that plays out. And so sometimes it's not that night, but when that, you still have to make that call, um, you know, even, even when it's several days or weeks later. But um, again, it's, it's the right thing to do. And, and we can't get to a place in our politics where, um, where we can't even talk to each other to, to recognize a, a race that was won or to recognize, um, you know, that the race is over and that you didn't win it. <laughs> so, and congratulate the person who did. Uh, so I know that it's tough, but it's something that is, again, it's one of our democratic norms that we, that we need to hold on to. Um, I know we're not going to agree. We don't have to agree on everything, but we able, we should be able to speak to each other and um, talk to each other about those issues and where we disagree. Um, because that's really what it is. I think that, that um, most Americans want the same things. They want, they want to be healthy. They want to be able to support their families. They want their kids to get a good education. What we disagree on is how, you know, how we get there, how that happens. And that's okay. But I feel we've gotten to a point where, um, you know, some folks just feel like that's it's if if I don't get my way, it's the it's the end of the world, and um, and we have seen uh, uh, chipping away at those democratic processes, which is concerning. But I have faith that uh, going forward, we're going to do better, and I'm certainly going to continue on my part to to listen and have conversations and um, try to come to agreement with folks on everything that we can possibly come to agreement on. And I think that, um, that, that, that should be a goal. I don't think we give up our values, but we do everything we can to make sure that we're doing the best for the people, all the people of this country. You know, we've got to adjust, we've got to address, um, issues of police reform. We've got to address our systemic racism and, and how that is ingrained in, in many ways into um, our, our laws and policies. We've, we've, got to, we've got to start addressing that. And, and I hope that folks are on board to do that because going forward, we have to um, make sure that everyone feels safe in, in our society and that everybody has an equal shot. So um, I guess I would say to that, Haley, what is your feeling going forward? How, how do you want to help make the changes that you feel we need? Yeah, so um, I think that the best way to make the changes is to keep empowering people to organize the way that I was empowered and people that are not comfortable organizing, um, empower them to vote and to um, help them, you know, form those decisions and understand um, the information that's presented to them by the media. Um, sometimes it is hard for, you know, someone that is not super involved to sit down and kind of take that in and understand exactly what these decisions mean for them. So being a resource to those people so that they understand how these decisions affect them. Um, but definitely being a resource to people that want to um, organize and, you know, just empowering young people and 
honestly empowering people of every ages that want to get involved, um, of every age, sorry. But it's never too late to get involved. Um, some of my favorite people, you know, that I worked with um, were younger than me, and some of them were older than me. And so that that is something that I have learned is that it's never too late and it's never too early. Um, people that can't even vote yet organizing, you know, for these changes. It's, it's great to see. And so I really would like to be a resource. I think um, there's definitely a large um, part of um, our rural communities are overlooked in organizing. Something that I'm passionate about and I'm kind of researching right now is, you know, how to create resources for rural communities to organize and how to find the people that would want to organize in those communities and bring them together. Um, so that is something that my heart, um, you know, is super set on as well. And so to be specific, that is how I would want to contribute, but overall just really being um, someone that people can reach out to to um, kind of figure out what things mean for them and then figure out how to organize in their communities. Well, for me, that's the perfect answer <laughs> because that's, you know, that's what I want to be doing too, is it just empowering people and, and helping them understand the issues because there is a lot of noise and a lot of misinformation out there. And a lot of times people are people get really frustrated and angry at voters of like, how can they vote against their own interest? And, and, you know, but what you have to understand is people are busy. They're feeding their family. They're maybe they're working two and three jobs to feed their family and they don't have time to follow the issues as closely as, as some of us do. And they, you know, they may not be getting as much information as they need or the right information. And so I think a lot of it is organizing and helping get the information to everybody so that they can make the decisions based on the needs of their family. And I'm, I'm glad that you are um, gonna be, you know, working that direction and helping to empower others because it really is all that it's about. And, and it's funny, I know a lot of the people that I worked when I first got involved on the Obama campaign were people who were um, a lot of young people, but also a lot of women whose kids were sort of empty nest. The kids had just gone off to college. So, um, you know, they had a lot of time and were willing to come out and help. So, and, and then we have a lot of seniors who finally have time. One man who worked really hard on the Obama, I mean, on the Biden campaign in Knoxville was a man who had a position until he retired. He couldn't be political. So he's making up for some lost time. I think he worked really hard on the Biden campaign and I just love to see it because he, you know, you could just tell he was enjoying it so much and he had to be quiet politically for so long. He was letting it all out. So it was a lot of fun to watch that. But um, I do love seeing the young people, more young people getting involved and organizing themselves and, and, we've always pulled people into the campaign who were not even, you know, that were still in high school or even in middle school to get them involved in the campaign. Cause it's so much fun teaching people that, that, that what they care about matters and that there are others out there that care about it. And no matter what your age is, you can help bring those people together. So that's really what all of this is about, even um, as far as campaigns and everything. So, um, I'm going to go back to one thing Haley said that you're the boss of your boss. And that's really 
hilarious because um, I, I feel like I am hiring my boss when you, when you choose a campaign manager and people are and it. Sometimes it's hard that every single time it's been somebody straight out of college and, and um, I, I, they're, they're managing someone who's, you know, 58 years old. So uh, it's, it's an interesting concept because I get to let a 20 something year old tell me what to do. And I think sometimes there's a little, um, you're a little unsure about doing that, but hopefully you get to the point where um, the, the campaign manager, even though they're much younger and maybe less experienced in some ways, you hired them because you want them to help you with your campaign. They want, you want them to manage you. And so it, it is a really weird relationship, but um, hopefully that uh, they come to understand that, you know, what they say matters and it doesn't matter how old you are. It's, it's the, the job you do. And I appreciate it so much. And I don't mind having 20 year olds boss me around <laughs> or say, you need to do this or you need to do that. I might push back, but I'm listening. I'm always listening. But it is a really weird, it's a, it's a weird relationship. But because um, in some ways you're, you're really, really close. And in some ways it's, it's just, it's just odd. It's not a typical working relationship. But it's it's definitely a great one. I hope I'm empowering young people to come up and um, and do the organizing about the issues that they care about. And I want to see hundreds of organizers and uh, campaign managers or field organizers all across the state of Tennessee. I know we often lose them to other states but I'm trying to um, empower as many as I possibly can so they'll stay around Tennessee and help us organize here because there are a lot of great folks in Tennessee who care about these issues that affect our, our hardworking families and we've got to do right by them. So any last words, Haley? I would definitely just say, um, the biggest thing that I've learned, you know, in this process is that um, any time that you can give to your local elections and any attention you can give them is so important. And so I would definitely suggest getting involved in those um, and just trying out, trying out like, you know, making some phone calls or doing a lit drop, hopefully, hopefully soon, um, knocking some doors when it's safe um, and just seeing, you know, how you feel and if it's something you're interested in, because uh, we can never have too many people, too many people out in the field. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say. And also, um, thank you for teaching me so much throughout this. I'm so glad that I, you know, got to work with someone that was ready to teach me everything that I could learn. So, yeah, I guess hopefully in some ways I'm still a teacher, <laughs> but uh, I'll never, I don't think I'll ever totally get away. I think I'll always be a teacher, but uh, you were a great student and, and did a great job. And I know you're going to do great going forward and just excited about that. So uh, thank you so much for your hard work. And I know you're going to go forward with that work and I'm excited about that as well. Can't wait to follow you as you do. 
Um, this has been Standing Tall Podcast with Representative Gloria Johnson. Uh, we will be regular now since the election is over, bringing you lots of new and interesting topics uh, after this election as we go forward. And um, hopefully some updates on the coronavirus, what's happening in Tennessee. But appreciate you all so much. Take care. Mask up. Remember social distancing. And right now when the numbers are going so high, please stay home as much as you can. Don't go out when you don't need to. It's just the best way to keep your family safe. So thanks so much. And thanks to the Tennessee Holler. You can find them at tennesseeholler.com on the web and you can find them on social media at the tn holler we'll talk to you next time